All right, so you should have on your tables the handouts there. Uh, you can pass those around. Uh, hopefully they're enough and maybe we can spread them around. Um, and I've got some from last week if, if you need those. Uh, we're taking a little more time where this week and last week we're just in Revelation chapter 13 uh, because this is the section of the book where we're really getting into, okay, what are these evil powers that are working against us, against God's people? Um Right, because it's called Revelation, the whole point is it's not making predictions so much as revealing, here's what's going on. It's pulling back the curtain, uh, as we see here, to show, okay, here's what's at work, right? First, we start with, we see God at work, but now we need to know what we're up against, in a sense. And so we're kind of introduced to this, you can call it the unholy trinity of the dragon, which is uh, John's image, a, a symbol for Satan. Then you have the first beast that we talked about last week. And today we're getting uh, either, it's called the second beast, right? One comes from the sea, one comes from the land. Uh, and the second beast is also called the, the false prophet sometimes. And, uh, you know, as I mentioned last time, it's not so much like, okay, so which human leader now or in the future is this talking about? Uh, it, it's anchored in uh, their time and their place, right? This was a letter written to seven churches. Uh, and uh, so... The, the Roman Empire is the, the big bad at the time, right? So you've got to have that in mind. And yet to see that it can apply more than that. Any human leader or nation can become beastly, right? So it's describing a pattern more than a person. And so the question is not who is the beast, it's who is acting beastly, right? Uh, maybe at this moment. And what we saw last week in the first part of, of chapter 13 is that it's hard to resist, right? It's It's this idea of being taken captive, I think it's more of this uh, letting your thoughts be, take thoughts be taken captive, as Colossians talk about. That's what we, as, as God's people who know the way of the Lamb, what we're always trying to resist, uh, but to not worship any other power or authority. So, uh, like I said, this, this time we're getting into this, this second beast and these ideas of the number of the beast and the mark of the beast, right? If people don't know anything else about Revelation, those are concepts that they've probably heard of and, and have some thoughts about. So I want you to start, just talk at your tables. Uh, I guess, Stephen, you can join another table. <laughs> and just what are, talk about what are some of the craziest theories that you've heard uh, or most interesting, right? Uh, whether you believe it or not is not the issue, but what are some of the things that are out there about the number of the beast, the 666, what that means, or the, the mark of the beast that we're going to talk about? And then maybe talk about how could you either prove or disprove that, right? Is there a way to show like, well, this is how I know this is the truth, right? What are, again, what are some ideas that are out there? So talk about that at your tables, then we'll, we'll take a second and see what people came up with. All right, well, let's, uh, let's bring it back in. Just kind of get a couple people from your, maybe from your table, what was something that you heard that like, well, I'd never heard of that one before, or just, or if there were kind of a, uh, a lot of people are saying the same thing. What were some of the suggestions, ideas? Anyone want to share? <laughs> no. Yeah, Lynn. Uh, wild. Uh, well, what we were talking about is that um, my, one of my favorite authors is Robert Heinlein, who writes science fiction books. In okay. one of his books, he talked about the number of the bees being not the number 666, which is tangible. We can put 666 M&Ms in a bowl and see what that number represents. But he said that actually it was the number six raised to the, to the sixth power 
raised to the sixth power, uh, which gives you a number in the quadrillion. Okay. Uh, so we're getting into the math here, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Not my area of expertise, but okay. Yeah. So it's because six to the sixth power is forty-six thousand six hundred fifty-six, which is already a number that okay. that we can't put our heads around. Okay. So maybe yeah, it's, so it's if you, if you okay. multiply that times itself six times. Okay. Yeah, so even just what you do with those, just those numbers beyond yeah, what a person or anything, like you yeah, could so, go a lot of different directions. So and so I, that's when, one. I think, okay. when I think about the number of the beast, it's, it's not small to me, mm. it's, it's legion. Okay. That evil, that, that evil, those evil actions, are, it's actually living it's exponential in, in every yeah. one of us. And that okay. exponential number is, is so huge that we can't fathom it. Okay. And that's, and that's there's, what, all right. So there's one idea. Any any others? Totally different direction. You've heard. We'll talk about some as we get to it. But I just yeah. Either, I couldn't tell. Gail, you were raising. Well, I just mentioned that I've heard people say that every day, every day you log in on the internet. Okay. I don't know if I've heard that one. That's good. Yeah. So it's just yeah. Anytime you get three repeating, you can try and tie it into things. So yeah. There's I. I did not go on the internet to see what everybody say, which I think was probably a, a wise idea, but there's a lot out there. And like well, I said, we'll- I remember back more in the 70s and 80s, um, before all this technology came about, and, and I think it was even before we had the barcodes on the food that we scanned. Mm -hmm. Yeah, bar, I've heard, yeah. And so the they all got, so I don't know, weird about it. So there's, <laughs> they're like, oh, when, the, when that time comes at the end yep. of times, we're, we're going to have to have barcodes, yes. right? Yep. I've, I've heard that one quite a bit. Yeah. All right. Well, like I said, we'll get to that more of that in just a second. Um, we're really only looking at verses 11 to 18 today, but there's a lot we're going to get into. So I just, I'm going to read it to start and then we'll kind of pick apart different things as we go. So chapter 13, starting in verse 11. Then I saw another beast that rose out of the earth. It had two horns like a lamb, and it spoke like a dragon. It exercises all the authority of the first beast on its behalf, and it makes the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast, whose mortal wound had been healed. It performs great signs, even making fire come down from heaven to earth in the sight of all. And by the signs that it is allowed to perform on behalf of the beast, it deceives the inhabitants of the earth, telling them to make an image for the beast that had been wounded by the sword and yet lived. And it was allowed to give breath or spirit to the image of the beast so that the image of the beast could even speak and cause those who would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. Also, it causes all, both small and great, both rich and poor, both free and slave, to be marked on the right hand or on the forehead so that no one can buy or sell who does not have the mark, that is, the name of the beast or the number of its name. This calls for wisdom. Let anyone with understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a person. Its number is 666. All right. Uh, so again, I mean, this is Revelation, right? This the same language, the image of the beast, the image of the beast over and over, and it's, it seems so strange. So we're going to try and sort out what is this pointing us to, and, and how is this relevant in our lives today? Uh, so you see it called here the, the second beast from the earth. I'm going to refer to this as the, the false prophet. That's a, a name that's also given uh, in a few other places, uh, chapter 19, verse 20, uh, just for clarity, right? So you have the, the beast and the false prophet and the dragon. And again, we see this as kind of an inversion of the Holy Trinity, just as the Holy Spirit uh, 
inspires us to call Jesus Lord uh, and inspires prophecy. In a similar way, this false prophet inspires worship of the beast, who's kind of like the Christ figure, although not called the Antichrist in Revelation, uh, kind of similar. So again, we start with what it meant for John's first audience, and then we can see what, what it can mean for us. Like I said, the beast seems somehow to refer to the Roman Empire, um, and, and the heads on the beast are probably talking about specific uh, emperors or Caesars. And we saw last time there's probably a reference to the Emperor Nero, uh, who was the emperor in the 60s. Uh, he uh, died by suicide because he stabbed himself in the head, which is probably when it talks about this, the, the one who was wounded in the head. That's probably a reference to him because there was a rumor that he didn't actually die. He survived and he was going to come back at a later time uh, and take power again. Um, and so the beast is somehow Rome's power represented through the, the Caesars or the emperors. And so if that's what this first beast is, right, that's talking about the, the empire, especially its leaders, the false prophet is what is uh, calling people, forcing people to give worship or, or undo allegiance to the emperors. Uh, so it's like the, the imperial cult, right? This was a part of their society is you offered sacrifices on behalf of the emperor or even to the emperor. And that wasn't, you know, the way we divide out religious and political stuff, it was mixed together in a very different way for them. And so doing this religious act, offering an animal sacrifice for Caesar was seen as a political thing to do, right? It's that, and so when people like Christians wouldn't offer that political sacrifice, uh, that was seen as, um, you know, not, well, really unpatriotic, right? You're not supporting the empire. And if a certain group in our empire in our, is, is not doing what they need to do to appease the gods, um, then that's going to bring trouble on us. And that's a big reason why Christians in the empire, the Roman empire, faced so much persecution. It wasn't just that they didn't follow their religion. It's that by not following the religion, they were also putting the nation, the empire, at risk. Uh, interesting enough, Christians were called atheists in this time because they didn't do these sacrifices to the gods, right? That was just what you did. That was religion in their time. And so it didn't matter that Christians said they believed in God. Since they didn't do those actions, they were considered atheists. And that was detrimental to the in, entire empire. And so this, uh, this cult is, is about getting people to, in John's language, worship the beast, right? Do those kind of sacrifices. Um, and, you know, there would be images of Caesar, right? The, the idols, uh, we would call them. Uh, these pagan priests, they could make it seem like those images did have power, right? You know, it's all just smoke and mirrors, probably literally. Uh, it makes me think of like Wizard of Oz, right? The, the great and powerful, right? There's nothing really there. There's right nothing behind the curtain, but these priests could make it seem like those statues or idols or images had power. And, and that would inspire people to think, well, I guess I better do my sacrificing because, you know, I don't want Zeus or or whoever it is to come after me. So I think that's what he's talking about there when he's saying it could make them perform great signs uh, to deceive people, right? It's, it's trying to make it seem like uh, Caesar or Apollo or whoever has all this sort of power. And John is calling us to see, no, that that's all fake, right? They're just trying to deceive you there. And so then he gets into the, the number of the beast, right? We see it at the end, we're, we're jumping around a little bit here. Uh, but we're trying to figure out, okay, what is this talking about? 
And this is one place where I think you can make the argument that John is giving a little bit more of a code than just a symbol, right? This is something I, I know I talked about in the introduction, uh, but for those that weren't here or those that you know can't remember everything that I say, uh, is the difference between a code and a symbol is that a code is kind of one for one, right? This equals that, and you just have to figure out how to decipher that code. Whereas a symbol can often mean more than one thing. Uh, it's, it may be tied to, to something literal, but, but it means more than that. But I mean, he says it pretty clearly in that last verse 18 there, right? It is the number of a person, right? Uh, you can calculate it if, if you have wisdom. And so I think he is trying to talk about someone specific here. And uh, just as a reminder, you know, about the general way that, that numbers work, uh, I meant to print off, I, I think I have a handout on what members tend to symbolize and, and what colors tend to symbolize. I'll have some of those next week if people want them. But as we've seen before, right, six, uh, seven represents completeness, holiness, right? It's often associated with God, uh, the seven churches, the seven spirits. And so six is one off of seven, right? So it's incomplete uh, or even evil somehow. And then the number three can also symbolize completeness, um, the Trinity, um, uh, Plenty of other places we see that that show up here. And so I, I think one way to understand 666 is it's complete evil, right? Three is completeness, six is evil, three sixes is complete evil. So that's that's possibly a way that that number uh, functions there. And then getting into, okay, but, but does it mean anything more? Uh, a lot of people have pointed to a Hebrew practice called gematria. So uh, in the ancient world and ancient languages, most did not have like written numbers, right? Like the number one, number two, uh, they used letters to represent numbers, right? Roman numerals, for example, those worked a little different where you have to know V is five and that sort of thing. But in a lot of languages, including Hebrew, uh, you just go by the alphabet. So it'd be like we said, A is one, B is two, C is three, right? It's a very simple code. And so here you have the, the Hebrew alphabet. It's on the back of your handout as well, if you can't, can't see all of this. Uh, so if you want to learn Hebrew, here's, here's your chance to, to learn your Hebrew alphabet. I don't, I don't know an alphabet song for it like we have, unfortunately. Uh, but if you go on this chart, you can see uh, you have kind of the ones column, the tens, and then the hundreds column. And so what you can do with this uh, is you can take a name and you can get a numerical value for it. Right, so take, for example, a Hebrew name like Hannah, that would be a, a het uh, right here, um, hold on, noon, uh, which is right here, and a hey, which is right there. Uh, they have two H's. Um, it's a very different kind of way of going through it. Um, and so if you start with a name, it's pretty easy to get the number, right? So if you took that example, het, noon, hey, that's eight plus 50 plus five, that's 63, right? So that's not too hard to do, but if you start with a number, that's a little trickier because you could combine any number of letters to get the number 63 like we just did, right? So if you have the name first, you can figure out the, what the number would be, but if you start with the number, that's complicated. Um, but, you know, and what makes it hard is that uh, we just have uh, the number here in Revelation. And so that's what has led over you know, the years, over the centuries, for people to say all sorts of things about, well, here's who I think. Uh, you can add their name up and it gets 666, but they're you know, probably not using Hebrew. 
So you don't start with Obama or Trump or whoever it is, right? We, we want to try and start with, okay, what would it mean in their time? Who might John refer to as a, a completely evil emperor? And uh, the name that we've already mentioned before is most likely C uh, Nero. Nero Caesar, as they would, would say it. Um, and so, um, and, and just to point out Hebrew, if you were wondering in that, why weren't there vowels? Hebrew didn't have written vowels. It was just consonants and a couple letters that would be spaces sometimes. And so uh, it's probably likely because he's already made some, uh, you know, hidden kind of oblique references to him that he's talking about uh, Nero. Um, so he's writing about 30 years after the Nero's time in the 90s. Uh, so if we're using this, this same uh, practice here, uh, you would write out Neron Caesar is how they would, would put it. And again, he's using Hebrew, even though he's writing in Greek because uh, John is, is Jewish and it seems that he's writing to a lot of Jewish Christians. And so that's why they would use Hebrew instead of Greek. And so you can just kind of go through uh, the, I'll use our English letters, the N, R, W, in QSR, and those are the different numbers you get, 50, 200, 6, 50, 160, plus 200 equals 666. Um, and one of the other clues that this might be who he's thinking of, there are some manuscripts that drop this second N here, so it's just Nero Caesar, and if you drop that, it would be 616. We have some manuscripts where it reads 616 instead of 666. So, um, and again, why would, why would Nero be the one that he would be talking about even though he was in the past? Well, uh, I, I think in their mind, it's kind of equivalent to how we talk about Hitler today, right? Um, Nero burned Rome. Nero was the emperor when Peter and Paul were killed. So if any one person is gonna loom large in the Christian memory of, of someone who's evil and persecuted the church, that's, that's who you would go to. And they're probably, if they're under the emperor Domitian at this time, they're probably experiencing uh, something similar. So it kind of feels like, okay, we're going through this again. So in the same way, if we said today, and it's just like Hitler all over again, we're not saying that Hitler literally came back from the dead. We're saying this person seems to be acting like this other person in history. And so that's why he's bringing up, up Nero here. So again, it's not about predicting and figuring out, okay, if we can figure out what name now aligns with this, then we'll know who the beast is. It's saying, um, uh, it is still a reminder that we be watchful for earthly leaders who claim divine blessing or divine authority to do things that, that go against the way of God. So it is still a reminder to pay attention to how leaders are leading. Uh, but this in particular, I think is one place where we really focus on what did it mean for them? And that's, that's what's most important. Otherwise we go in some weird directions. Right, any questions about this number of, of the beast? I, was, I know it was a lot. Um, hopefully there's enough on your handout to make that clear. Yeah, Don. Who started this? Uh, yeah, this was a practice in, in the first century and earlier that- uh, Who actually started it? Who thought of that? Uh, yeah, I don't know exactly when the practice began. Like I said, uh, in Hebrew, they didn't have numbers. And so even in like the Old Testament, uh, you would, if you needed to say three or something, you would just use the the gimel there. And the letters that are gone up there in our alphabet, they did not use those letters at that time? Right, yeah, I mean, we could spend a lot of time talking about the difference in the Hebrew alphabet and English alphabet. Um, so they have, you know, 
two or three letters for S. It's just kind of a different way of doing things. Uh, they didn't have written vowels, although there is a way of, of marking that. So it's, yeah, this is, this is just kind of how the language worked. And yeah, I, I, would, I probably should have done more research on exactly when they started this gematria practice, but we know even from scripture that you numbers had to function or letters had to function as numbers because they didn't have written numbers. So this is something that John wrote about. Somebody else actually, this is not something that John. Well, I would, I would think that's, it, you know, again, he's, uh, he's not writing in Hebrew, but he knows Hebrew as a Jew. And so he probably, if this is what it, it's meant to represent, then that's intentional on his part that, yeah, he knew about this. So again, this is, we can't say 100% for certain because he doesn't come out and say, I'm going to give you a code according to this, but uh, this is a pretty common understanding of this is how, so how he got there. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that's that's what he's trying to, to say. Again, because he talked about the, the wounded head uh, is a, a pretty clear reference to him. And we may see some others as well. So that that uh, additional clues. Like I said, we want to start with what he could have been talking about. Uh, it, it could be something else, right? But this is, um, I mean, again, if, if six represents evil, I think he's trying to, and this is, again, one of the big themes of 12 and 13 is that the power behind the beast is the dragon, right? So Satan is working behind this. Um, the Roman Empire is not all the evil that there is, but it is, um, you know, it is significant because it's empowered by the dragon, by Satan. All right. Yeah. Because uh, that's that's just how it's spelled in in Hebrew. The, okay, okay, yeah, yeah, and, and you could pick other names. Uh, David would be like Dalit, Vav, Dalit. All right, so that's, that's just kind of how Hebrew works. All right, well, let's uh, move on because we still have the mark of the beast to talk about. The other <laughs> very interesting part of this. Oh, let someone in. All right, so the mark of the beast here again. Uh, lots of different theories out there, barcodes, microchips, now the vaccines, you know, if you're on, if you follow me on social media, I kind of had a post joking about that. Um, again, why I don't think we start there with, with those interpretations is that would make no sense to the original audience in the first century, right? What's a barcode? What's a microchip? Um, now, again, we'll see how this does become relevant to us, but it's got to start with them. And so if it's just completely nonsense, in the first century, that probably shouldn't be our starting place. Instead, we want to start with, well, what was their context, right? Especially a lot of Jewish Christians. And see this pattern of everything that the beast or the false prophet does or the dragon does is a perversion of what God does, right? Satan can't create anything. All it can do is, is twist what God has made. And so uh, as it talks about this beast that's on the, the hand and the forehead, Many see this as a reference to uh, the Hebrew prayer called the Shema, which is just Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 8. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, or the Lord alone. And you see there that, that last verse there, uh, as he, Moses is talking about, it says, bind it as a sign on your hand and fix it as an emblem on your forehead, right? Which even there, it's not so much, uh, we do know that uh, Pharisees in the first century actually had uh, little boxes of scripture they would wear on their forehead and on their wrists sometimes. But even there, it's probably more a reference to everything you do with your hand and everything that you think should be related to God and, and the love that God has for us. And so uh, 
if so the mark of the beast is just twisting this uh, this mark here. Uh, and it's also, you know, this idea of being marked with something. We've seen this idea of being sealed already in Revelation. So it might be a reference to that as well. It's, again, a flip side of it. And it's kind of John's way of saying you have to pick a side, right? You're going to be marked either as belonging to uh, the lamb or marked as belonging to the beast and on their side. Uh, John doesn't really leave room for in between. Uh, that's, that's not how Revelation tends to work. Uh, and so what, how, does this, how does this work out? What does it do? I, I think the key reference here is in verse 17, where it says that uh, if you don't have it, you can't buy or sell. And so we're seeing here it's some sort of economic pressure. You're not able to function and do business in, in the empire or, or whenever if you don't have this in some way. Um, and, and we know first century Christians couldn't engage in certain business practices, uh, eating meat, sacrificed to an idol, uh, that was a big deal. We see it in 1 Corinthians, and it's already come up in those letters to the seven churches. That's mentioned more than once. Um, and that, so that's a way of you know, saying you, can't, you shouldn't be able to participate in this. Or if you're going to participate in this, you're kind of giving in to, to other powers that you may not be aware of. And so for us, refusing to take the mark of the beast is when we will not give in to certain business practices or, or participate in a certain economic ways of doing things, which I know is less exciting than conspiracy theories about being branded. But, uh, you know, we, I think it's important to not get too caught up in what seems more exciting. I mean, so what are, you know, as you think through history or even today, what are some sort of uh, beastly, uh, unjust economic practices, ways of, of using money that, that hurt people or are ungodly? What's something that comes to mind? The monopoly of the monopolies of the corporations running these small businesses. Okay. Yeah, so monopolies, right? It, it, it all just kind of goes to one, one place and they can kind of do whatever they want and uh, little people get squashed, right? Okay. Gambling. Oh, gambling okay yeah uh that you know you, you're promised uh the way i've heard it before is that it's like a tax on people that are bad at math especially like lottery tickets right <laughs> so it's uh it's it ends up being abusive right and people think that if i engage in this i can get rich yeah yeah, Bernie Madoff, right? He, uh, yeah, manipulates the system. He's able to get rich and 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 hurts a lot of people with that. I mean, there's also things like well, slavery, right? That's not uh, as pressing a concern today, but I mean, you literally are buying and selling human beings for for your own profit. Um, it was going on in the first century, and uh, Christians were struggling with how to deal with it, and Christians through history have, have tried to deal with that. Uh, or maybe it's smaller things like just just cheating on our taxes. Right? Like, well, you know, maybe I don't need to say that I earned this much or something like that, right? That's giving you that deceit. Lying is, is a big deal in Revelation. So those kind of practices still feed into this. Um, we're, we're, we're using our money the world's way instead of using our resources in, in a godly way. Uh, or even, you know, the way that we outsource things, right? I mean, again, I don't want to get into a big economic uh, discussion, but, you know, Things are made for pennies abroad and then sold for, uh, you know, hundreds over here. You know, we, we have... I, I don't think this is economic at all. Okay. I, I mean, obviously, there's an economy in regards to buying and selling, but that's not what the beast is doing. The beast is 
kind of saying, hey, you have to charge 5% interest or you're, you're on my side. That doesn't come into it, I don't think. I'm seeing this as a, and we've seen examples of this throughout history, where certain groups of people are labeled. Mm. And all right, so you mentioned slavery. Well, mm-hmm. how did you, how are you eligible to be a slave? Well, there were some ways to do it, but the simple was, well, that guy's skin color is different, therefore he's eligible to be a slave. Yeah. He's got some work. Okay. Right? Yeah, that's. He's not, he's not white, therefore he's not part of us. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that goes on in more recent history. I mean, the Nazis, if you didn't throw on your little swastika band, like, you're not going to be a part mm-hmm. of the club now, are you? you yeah. Just, you have to agree with us. Join our cause, whether you agree with it or not, or we're pushing you out. Mm-hmm. Even today, we see this uh, in China in particular. You, whether you're in a church or not, they don't care if you're in a church as long as you subscribe to the party and you do what the party says and you go along with what the party does. Yeah. So I, I, I don't think this is a commentary on economic practice. I think this is a commentary on people who are trying to force others to do their will instead of what. Instead of what those people maybe know is right, mm. and going back to the Roman Empire, the Romans actually would have been very proud of how tolerant they were. We, right. we, we let everybody do worship mm-hmm. anybody, yep. just as long as they pay homage to the emperor. Right. And yeah. That was the one thing the Christians said we won't do. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and I mean, I don't think those are initially mutually exclusive, right? I mean, the way that you share your part of a group is how you support with your money, right? And Jesus talked about money so much. It's, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Um, and so whether it's just about that, or I mean, I, I think both can apply, right? And sometimes there literally are marks that you have to wear. I, I, I don't disagree that there's a right way to do this and wrong way to do this. Mm-hmm. I just don't think this passage is, is dealing okay. with that. Seriously. Sure. I mean, again, <laughs> Revelation is definitely a book that's open to more than one interpretation. So, yeah, I appreciate uh, another perspective, right? There's plenty of ways that... Um, these other powers are going to try and make us show that we're on their side, whether it's how we spend our money, whether we wear a certain patch or, or dress a certain way. Uh, the point is that he's helping us to see, be aware of where this is coming from, right? You see it at the very beginning. I know we're running out of time, so I'll try and wrap this up. That you know, it um, The beast doesn't appear beastly, right? It looks like a lamb, but it talks like a dragon. And so this is what we have to pay attention to as followers of the lamb, where is this a different voice, right? Where is this uh, something seen? It's propaganda, right? It's calling evil good, uh, calling violence peace, right? That's something Roman Empire talked about is the, the Pax Romana, the Roman peace. It's peace by violence. And so to make sure we're not buying into that way of thinking and see that behind all this, like I said, is, is the dragon. It's not just that, uh, as Paul says, our battle is not against flesh and blood. Our problem is not just those leaders, and we get rid of those leaders and everything will be fine. That has never worked through history. Um, it, it's seeing there's something bigger going on, and, and that battle is happening in, in big and small ways each and every day. So hopefully we can pay a little more attention to it. All right. Well, everybody else is trying to leave, so I'll let you all out as well. Thanks for your comments, and uh, we'll see you next time.